Hi, this is BeastPod and this is Mem. So we're picking up Trevor's interview with Martin Allen. He's already discussed his defence and his goalkeeper and his centre midfield and he's about to now move to the wide areas. And on the right and the left, on the right-hand side, playing in front of Ian Hendon, yeah. I've got Andy Yeardong. Yeah. You could say, Martin, why did you not play him right back and why did you put him on right midfield? Um, because I thought he would give us more in our team and the way that we were going to play by playing on that right side. Goals, assists, tackling, mobility, pace, energy. Um, he kind of had the, the freedom. He wasn't a wide writer. He was playing on the right, but he could go anywhere he wanted. He, he had the freedom to do what he wanted. People, players at that level, could not match him or get anywhere near him. Once again, he is, as a person, he's an absolute, he's like my son. <laughs> he's an absolute diamond of a person, humble, lovely, lovely mum and dad and family. Um, I tried everything I could to persuade him to stay. Yeah. Um, but his mind was made up um, about going on to play up higher levels, which is, you know, who am, yeah. who am I to complain? Yeah. Um, that was year done. And on the left, um, well, this is the dilemma you have. <laughs> um, I've got Cookie. Could Cookie play there? I think he yeah. could. Yeah. Uh, Luis Mavilla coming inside on his right foot, which is where he was best for me. Uh, not over on the right, but if you played him on the left, coming inside, uh, you could have had him. Yeah. But in the end, I've scrubbed those two names out. Uh, and I, <laughs> I've gone for... The Burton Albion second half, Ricky Holmes, oh my God, he changed the game and kept us up. Not just him, of course, but his moments of magic changed that. And I would have to put Ricky Holmes on that left-hand side in front of Elliot Johnson. Um, Two centre-forwards, Grazioli, he would have to be in there. He would have to be in there. And... um, and John Akinde, of course, um, he would have to be in there. Speak for themselves, those two, don't they? Yeah, he's, um, I, I also had Liam Hatch. He was another good one that I had. And on the left-hand side, I also had Gambin. Um, you know, Mauro, I'm leaving Mauro out of that team, which is um, mm. not probably the greatest of moves. Um, and then you've also got in there uh, Sweeney. Uh, Gash, uh, Ben Strevens, uh, Mark yeah. Gower. Mark Gower could also play on that left-hand side, coming inside on his right foot. Um, and Gash, of course, who was just um, quiet, hard-working, as tough as they come, good quality footballer, hard as they come, and technically very, very good. And Sweeney, for how he played, um, when I was there in front of the back four, I thought he was um, he was captain, wasn't he? Yes, you made him captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Sweeney was, um, you know, I'd never really seen him before. I thought he was a superb player. Ben Strevens, I think he would always have to be close to it because he scored that overhead kick away at Stevenage when we won one yes. night. I think midweek on a night when that overhead kick went in. First time and only time I'd ever played free at the back in my whole life. Um, proper gamble. 
when that ball got cut back, he'd done the overhead kick in front of our fans away at their club. I thought that was a magic moment. I'll never forget that with old Strevens. Mauro, how can you leave Mauro out? Gambin. The story with Gambin, that game against Wimbledon, when I was talking to you about Hector, on yeah. the Friday before we played Wimbledon at the training ground on that pitch right next to the entrance to the stadium, we're playing the youth team against the first team. And it was the first team that's going to play against Wimbledon. So as a manager, you're hoping that your team plays pretty good. <laughs> After 20 minutes, we're 2-0 down. <laughs> this little kid, seriously, this little kid on the left wing had scored one and made one. Yeah. And I was on the other side of the pitch and I said to the other coaches, who the flip is that? Who is that kid? And they said, that's Lou Gambin. I said, what the flip is he doing in the youth team? How come he's not with the first team? Yeah. He said, well, he plays in the first team. He's playing in the, he's playing in the youth team tomorrow. We play. I could not believe what I'd just seen. So we finished the game. We'd lost. We lost. And I said to the first team players, I said, you play like that tomorrow and you're you're flipping relegated. <laughs> I said, that little kid, I said, he's now in our group. He's now playing for us. So we named the subs the next day and he was the last sub. And I think, because we were winning 2-0 and it was comfortable, we put Gambin on for the last 10 or 15 minutes yeah. uh, against Wimbledon. And I think that was his day. Uh, brilliant time. Brilliant time. So that's my team. Um, the subs... This is a crazy, really. I've got Liam Hatch, Via, Mauro, Gambin, Curtis Weston, Cookie, yeah, and Sweeney. And Sweeney. No Gash, no Strevens, and no Gower. Difficult, isn't it? Difficult. What? I said difficult, isn't it? Difficult. Oh, it's so difficult, yeah. <laughs> right, you ready for some questions? Yeah, fire away. Right, okay. Uh, right, first one I got is from John Tucker, who's a mate of mine, manages in the um, county league down here in West Sussex. Um, what he wants to know is what keeps you going back to Barnet? Um, firstly, thanks, John, for the question. Um, but I get on well with Tony. I have a good relationship with Tony. I uh, I understand and respect how he runs the club. Um, I understand and respect the uh, the tight budgets that are at the club to make it work financially. Um, and when I've been there, it, it, it has gone all right. It has gone all right generally. Um, I suppose if it's like this, you know, like we're in all in lockdown at the moment, you're not working, you're not doing anything, you play golf, I do my garden, I walk the dogs and I have a kind of a not okay, nice life. Um, there certainly is an appeal, there is an attraction and uh, it has gone well when I've been there. Um, I suppose it's the chairman, I think, really, and it's the work, because sometimes I must admit I do get bored. Okay. So that's the answer to that, John. The answer to that one. Lovely. Uh, right, next one from uh, Ben Slevin. One player from your 2014 and 15 team 
Who would fit into any team you managed and why? Oh, Kinde. Yeah. Oh, Kinde. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, um... <clears throat> John gave us and does, he's got something different. What he gives you is if you put the pass in behind their centre-backs, in behind them, then John, even if it's 60-40 against, he's got such superior body strength, upper body strength, with his arms and his shoulders and his size, he can and is able to get the team behind the opposition. Yeah. Generally, he's not quick. He kind of ambles. But as soon as that ball goes in behind, there's a spark inside of Kinde that goes and he finds an extra yard. And the amount of times he's won us games by getting in behind and winning games from getting in behind with getting penalties, with scoring goals, it's remarkable. His set-up play around the halfway line leaves a lot to be desired. His attacking play off the set plays for his headers is average. Around the halfway line, set-up play, average. Take all that away. When that ball goes in behind, if it's the right pass, and I don't mean long ball, but a proper pass in yeah. behind, a king they wins you the game. End of. He's special. He's good like that. And um, for a free transfer from Alfreton, uh, that was a good deal. Yeah, OK. It'll um, have to be his thing. OK, uh, right, next one from another mate of mine, Guy Rowden, who's a West Ham fan. Um, who's the most gifted player you played with at West Ham? Oh, Julian Dix. Julian Dix. Julian Dix, he was gifted differently, um, but skill, power, strength, determination, courage, mental strength, um, passion, desire, will, fearless, hard, mad. Magic. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, okay. Um, next one from Richard Bowden. Um, uh, in hindsight, do you think it was right to chase the money at other clubs rather than seeing how far you could have taken Barnet? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Richard, it's really difficult. It's really difficult when... Um... Right, Richard. When I was growing up as a little boy, my dad was a football manager and he was manager at a club called Cheltenham Town and they were doing okay. And I was playing golf at Calcutt Park Golf Club near Reading and I'd just finished on the sixth green. I was only a kid. Um, my dad's car pulled up on the road about 50 yards from the sixth green. He got out, he'd never really come up the golf course to see me at the golf course, and he came across to the newspaper. And he said, look, and on the back page of the newspaper, it said, Alan sacked. This is my dad. <laughs> I looked up and saw my dad. He had tears in his eyes. His team had been doing okay. But someone a bit, bit dodgy behind the scenes behind him 
and got him out. So my dad never had a job. So he'd been a footballer for all his life. Then he'd had a career because he was a coach in Belgium. And then he'd uh, applied for a few jobs and he got this coach at, uh, coaching job at Cheltenham, player coach. And he got the sack. In my household, we weren't, we weren't rich by any way. You know, just normal, just normal. Uh, my dad never had a job, never had no income. He had two children. Mum done a part-time job and went full-time. My dad had a couple of years where he didn't do nothing. He couldn't get anything. He was just doing favours here and there for people and people were helping him out before an old friend of his gave him a job doing deliveries. Our lives, our lives, mine as a child, changed dramatically. From football boots, trainers, clothes, holidays, everything changed in our household. I've got to be honest with you, Richard. I think from those times and having those times in my life, when he was a football manager, he always said to me he wished he'd moved on from Cheltenham and gone on to better things when he could have done, and he didn't. And he regretted staying there. Whether it scarred me and worried me for my financial future for myself has probably had something to do with it. You've got to remember, though, it is a job for me. It ain't for you. If it ain't for you, you're, you're going to be barring it till your last breath, God bless you. For me, it's not that. It's not West Ham. It's not Gillingham. It's not anyone. Not Reading, my local club. It's for me, it's a job. For you, it's life. It's like you're never ever going to wear another football shirt ever. Is there a regret? Um, if there's one, it would probably be um, the team that had beaten Plymouth Argyle away. I think it was a Tuesday night. I hadn't been very well. Um, we won away at Plymouth and I thought we were on the edge of something decent. Um, I think we'd come up the year before, we'd established ourselves and now we were challenging. I think that team, that team was the best team I had. <clears throat> but I also knew that the best players would probably be leaving. So that, is probably the one I wonder about most. If I'd have stayed, what would have happened? Okay. Um, I'll break off slightly from the questions. There's a couple that come through on, on the comments. Uh, been asked to ask Martin, why no long throw specialist in your best team? <laughs> <laughs> and um, funny enough, what someone's asked actually one of the questions that, um, that you were going to answer anyway, your favourite ever Barnet game. So, shall we do that one next? <laughs> well, to all the Barnet fans out there, can you all remember Jude Sterling? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I remember Jude, yeah. yeah. I, had a comp <laughs> I remember when uh, when I said to Mr Cleanthos, I said, oh, Chairman, we've got, um, we've got a lad coming in to sign. His name's uh, Jude Sterling. He said, oh, good, good. He said, what time's he coming in? I said, 12.30. He said, what position does he play? And he looked back at me, he said, what position does he play? I said, he plays long throw. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he smiled at me. He said, long throw? He said, what's that about? I said, well, if we're winning, he'll throw it into the box. And if we're, lo- uh, sorry, if we're, if we're losing, he'll throw it into the box. And if we're winning, he'll throw it into the final third at every opportunity. I said, nobody, nobody can deal with it. I said, it's the longest throw you've ever seen. Uh, and uh, it worked at times. But I've yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> at times, I'm not being funny. And I hope people can see it this way. Um, with the, the hive and the wind, the wind yeah. at the hive, I thought, because the, the stands are not big enough, you can't stop the wind coming in there. And sometimes it blows a gale right down the, that pitch. I thought it was, it was a decent person to have on the subs bench. And like I said, if you're winning, uh, he can throw it to the other end of the pitch against the wind. He can still throw it into the final third and takes the team up the pitch and gives your back four a chance to, um, to, to rest concentrate and refocus yeah. and obviously if you need a goal he, uh, it's a massive weapon and it's very difficult to um, to play against um, is it pretty no but it's an option yeah okay. and then uh, what's, what's your favourite ever Barnet game then uh, crikey Hereford's got to be in there at home I remember they're all their yellow balloons and that, everyone. My first ever game. I don't think I'll ever forget that. That's magic. Uh, Burton away, just massive relief. Uh, staying up that day was magical. Morecambe away, all those supporters that I went to see at the end of the game, that was magic. Um, but I don't think uh, anything's ever, ever going to touch or get close to um, the game against Gateshead, which I watched late night the other night. Um, you know, you just say it, grinning. I've contacted all the players this week that we had, most of them. I've got their numbers still uh, to remind them that today's the centenary um, and what a magic time and thanked them for everything they did for me uh, during that period. I think it would have to be favourite game for Barnet has got to be the Gateshead Championship winning game. Although beating Bristol runners up Rovers was also good hmm. when I think we went down to ten men, didn't we? And we defended uh, with ten men uh, so valiantly. Um, that was good when we beat them at home. Oh, Gateshead. Said, definitely thought it might be. Um, and then the flip side to that, the worst one. Her worst one. Uh, it was a big, uh, big, big, big day. Um, uh, when I came back, uh, it was at the Hive, and I think there's about 28 players at the club. 28. Um, we had a decent couple of little results and then we played at home on a hot day against Halifax Gregory played up front and the centre half that went on to play for Barnsley was playing centre back Um, 
flipping heck. I could have said something else then. Uh, we lost 4-1 at home. They absolutely terrorised us. Um, and I remember like it was like it was five minutes ago. Um, the players all came into the dressing room and uh, it was near the end, of, must have been near the end of the season. The players all came into the dressing room and just said, uh, Chaps, I'm going to have to make a lot of changes. Then shout. Uh, I'm going to have to make a lot of changes. That's nowhere near good enough. And uh, there's going to be a lot of changes. And when I went out, drove out, got onto the M25 up there near Watford, and I remember driving round uh, about 50 mile an hour, no radio on. Um, and uh, I had a fierce then determination that um, that, that group of players would have to be changed. The culture, um, the culture, the amount of players, everything about it had to be changed. And I never really wanted to ever, ever go through losing 4-1 at home. Um, and they, they, they were part-time. They were part-time, yeah, I think. Yeah, they? Yeah. they just absolutely smashed us into bits. So there needed to be a lot of work. I think that day, I wouldn't say it was my worst day, but it was a bad day. It was a bad day. I don't think there's been that many worse days at, at, at Barnet. My worst day? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. That, this one overtakes it. The worst day was definitely the, uh, the Chesterfield game. The amount of work, the effort, the commitment of the supporters and the players, the camaraderie that we've all built up on and off the field. And the togetherness and the spirit, the the um, the noise levels of the Barnet fans, um, three new up, and the place was silent. I was silent. I was even I was gobsmacked. And you just sat there on that technical area. My wife was checking the scores all the time up behind me, so I was I was getting the date the score updates all the time from uh, that other club, and. Um, like I said earlier, you could have sat there and cried. It was um, horrendous. Horrendous. And she had the reports coming in from somewhere, God knows. There had been no shots in that game, nothing happening. And the reports, and it was obvious what was happening. That one, that one. That one, OK. I was going to go back to the questions, but then I'm reading through the comments again. I'm sure someone's been reading the list of what you were going to talk about that you gave to me earlier in the week, but I don't know how that's happened anyway. Um, what does Martin think of Baron Curry and the future for Barnet? I'm glad someone's asked that. I know Darren Curry. Right. I used to play for West Ham. <laughs> oh, did you? Yep. Ah. I was a more senior player. He was one of the younger ones coming through. He always had a nice smile on his face. He had a lovely uh, left foot. He had good skills. He was very confident. He was always well-spoken. Uh, he was always on the edge of the banter. He had a good personality. Um, had an opinion as a young boy. He could mix it with the senior players, especially the more confident senior players, like perhaps my little group. I've watched his career throughout and how well he did it to Barnet. Um, I enjoyed speaking to him when he was working at Dagenham, 
come across him many, many times and always had a good handshake and a hug with him. Uh, his opportunity that he's got now with his job at Barnet, I really hope he does well. Uh, I think he plays a good style of football. Um, uh, I like it that all the Barnet fans are going to give him 100% support and backing because when he was a player here, he'd he done a great service, I believe. Yeah. And I think yeah. football supporters, football supporters generally, can be very, very quick to be negative and attack managers. And let me tell you all, it does not help your manager or your team when you criticise your manager and criticise the negative negative crap that gets banded about I think it's perhaps society and now you can get on social media kind of behind the keyboards and just type in any old crap I think they've uh, been good with Darren Curry um, I uh, I was expecting if the season was to go on I thought they might have had a chance that last playoff yeah. place because yeah. you're going to lose a few games even though you've got even though you've got a lot in hand um, the fact he's lost Jack Taylor, uh, he's not going to well because when you lose your best players, you don't win as many games. Actually, no, I think he's done really made well. a lot of difference, though. Pardon? Losing Jack hasn't made a lot of difference. One one loss in seven, no one loss in seventeen games before the um, games were suspended. Well, that's the sort of form that would take you up. Mm, yeah, exactly. And, and with the signings, the centre forwards that they've signed, because you've yeah. got to have goal scorers. Yeah. You've got to have goal scorers. If you don't have goal scorers, you don't win leagues. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And they've had injuries as well, which have been um, mm. difficult to take. I think he's done really, really well. Really, really well. And if, it, and if you support as giving the full backing, like you've given me, because there's been games and I've been manager, it's been crap, it's been awful, awful. But the fans keep coming and the fans keep backing the players and the fans have backed me, you know, backed me. Everyone, and I think, I'm sure they do, give, has got to give Darren the same backing that I've had. I think he deserves it. He's a young manager, he's got energy, enthusiasm. It's a hard job being a manager. It's a hard job. It grinds on you. And you can say for the first six months, it's great. Then for the first up to 10 months, it's great. But how many managers lose their job between 14 and 18 months? Because after a while, they get exhausted. They can't deal with it anymore. It drains of of energy and enthusiasm. And he needs help. This little break would have given him a massive help. But it's the same for all the managers. And then when people start getting on your case and moaning and complaining on social media and doing all that crap it's not really support it's just negative criticism I don't think he's getting that I hope he's not um, and I think if you get behind him I, I would put Barnet as favourites right up there in that top four to be challenging uh, to get promoted back to the Football League next season Right now I'll, I'll head back to the questions before we get waylaid again um, right, next one from Rob Hammond. Would you manage again and would a return to Barnet be of interest? Uh, thanks, Rob. Um, 
I'm not sure I actually want to at the moment. Um, I do quite a lot of, I'm lucky, I'm really, really lucky, really lucky to um, do other things. Um, I work at all West Ham's home games doing their hospitality, oh. which is meeting and greeting people and chatting with people and just having generally a nice time meeting West Ham supporters and watching the game. Uh, so I enjoy doing that on their home games. When I don't do that, I work for the uh, Premier League and I do uh, referee uh, performance assessments at Premier League level. Yeah. I do that two or three times a month. So with the West Ham games and that, and then I have been working at uh, little bits at little bits at Talk Sport, which is little, um, but more. I've been working at a new radio station, which is now no longer a new radio station called Love Sport Radio, based in Central London. So I've been going in there two or three times a week. It doesn't pay much money, but it just sort of kept me ticking along, yeah. kept my mind in good order. And I kind of, for the first time in my old life, um, for the first time in my old life, I've never had it. I've been able to have what we call a nice life, but it's not been dependent on a Saturday result, um, not got a win, not waking up at half past four on a, on a Saturday morning and walking the dog over the farmer's fields to, just to get myself, because uh, I can't sleep. So it's actually been a nice, healthy time. And my well-being as a person now is my most important. Um, returning to Barnet, I've never even given it a moment's thought. I promise you now. It, um, I just want to see Barnet go on and do well. Mr. Cleanthos, he invites me every now and then to a game at home uh, to go for dinner yeah. and to watch the game. But I don't want to do that. Um, that's no disrespect to him or the players or the supporters. If I go back there and they don't play well and they don't win, all sorts of speculation, it'd be rabid. You know, I don't want any of that for Darren, for anyone. My time's been done. I'm happy with what I've done. Um, and it's for the best for me to leave it, leave it. And um, one day, one day I'll come back. Obviously, I want to, oh, I'd love to come back. I'd love to come back. I just don't think it's right for Darren, the players and the supporters. I just don't think it's right. It's not the right thing for me to do at the moment. Okay. Uh, right, next one from Lee Hyams. Um, in my eyes for winning the league, you're up there with Barry Fry as one of the best managers at Barnet in 30 years. Um, do you feel you could have taken Barnet higher than League Two had you stayed? And do you regret the move to Chesterfield, where in hindsight it was a bit of a failure and Bees fans would have loved you to have stayed? Uh, what was the first question again, sorry? Uh, do you feel you could have taken Barnet higher than League Two had you stayed? Yeah, we were. We had a decent team there. Uh, that win at Plymouth on that night, I had to sit up in the director's box because I'd been warned by the uh, consultants that my heart wasn't quite right. And there were problems, which is scary. Yeah. You know, that's scary in itself when you're told, uh, well, I was just getting out of breath all the time. So I had to go just to the local doctor and then the doctor sent me to a consultant. And then the consultant sent me for MRI scans. This is all while I was managing. 
church in a barnet. No one knew. It was all private and quiet. I don't mean private elf scheme. It was like on the NHS. But I kept it private from everybody because I didn't want anyone to know that my heart was... Um, I had an irregular heartbeat in one of my one of my chambers, which, which is scary. Mm. Um, now that team was good. That team was good. That win that night was uh, was amazing, and we came away from there thinking, flipping hell, we could be onto something. But again, the next part of that to take that on is good recruitment and keeping your best players. Yeah. And uh, the problem you're always going to have, always going to have, is that um, bigger clubs can pay bigger money for your better players. Fact. And uh, unfortunately for Barnet fans, that is the way it is. You're never going to change that unless some billionaire buys Barnet. And Tony uh, does okay, but he ain't a billionaire. No. Um, so that's the first part. I do think we could have gone on and done well. And I, I think we'd have always um, a challenge for the playoffs would have been close for sure. What was the next part of that question? Uh, do you regret the move to Sheffield, where in hindsight it was a bit of a failure, and these fans would have loved you to have stayed and carried on? Yeah, well, at the time, at the time, I, I you know, I wasn't at the time I didn't have a contract, no, so no, yeah. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's a bit of a. Catch twenty two there, um, and when you say that was a bit of a failure, in my mind it wasn't a bit of a failure. Not in my mind. Well, you've got to save twenty seven thousand pound a week and put a team together. You're yeah. doing okay in that bit, yeah. And I never had centre forwards. If we'd have had centre forwards, we didn't lose for God knows how many games. We just couldn't score. Oh, didn't no, score. Yeah. yeah. In, in my last game there, I had the youth team centre forward playing centre forward. And a kid that had been playing in um, the lowest non-league football up north you've ever known. <laughs> so they were my two centre-forwards. So um, we weren't far. If I'd had two centre-forwards, that group, that would have definitely been a top five team without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. But I never had the centre-forwards, never had the budget to be able to bring in the centre-forwards. If you don't bring in goal scorers, you don't win. Mm. And we sold our centre-forward for a six-figure sum to Notts County. And he's subbed to Notts County, but every time he comes on, he scores. We would have kept him, but we couldn't. He had to go. He needed the money. Okay. Uh, right, a few here from James Collins. Um, first one from the championship season. Uh, Andy Yardin, the best player in his eyes. Do you agree? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, God, what a player. Oh. I see, I'll go and watch him play now sometimes at Reading in the championship. Yeah. And uh, I sit there in the director's box looking down. And I don't watch the game. I just watched year done. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, the thing about him, the thing about him, hopefully I'm sure most fans could see this, he'd start right side midfield. Yeah. And uh, if we were winning, uh, he could go and play right back. If we needed a goal, I could put him central midfield or as number 10. And he could play any position that you wanted. And bright and absorbing, he was a sponge for information and knowledge. If you need, if you if you needed a goal, you could push him up. Yeah. If you needed to defend, you could bring him back. He had that. He had something different about him. And he would come in my office. Right. <laughs> he would come in my office. He said, "Can I have a word?" Knock on the door. He said, "Can I have a word?" 
So I said, yeah, come in. And he'd, he'd push the door. He'd come in early. No one else would be there. And he'd say, uh, why did you do that? I what? He said, why did you do this? It might be a substitution or why did you change it whilst the game was going on? Why did you do that? So I said, why? Why are you asking? He said, well, I don't think it was right. So I said, right. He's only young. By the way, he's a young boy still. He's not yeah. old, is he? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, as soon as you've done that, he said, you gave the other team the momentum to come at us. He said, we should have carried on attacking them. He said, and that substitution you made, he said, I don't, I don't think you should have done that. He said, you could have done it like this and that would have been better for our team. And I'd sit there and I thought, I like you. <laughs> I, like, I liked it. I liked it that he had that, um, not the guts, but that mental mm. side. Yeah. Um, and it, his opinion, he would voice his opinion. He wouldn't sneak around the corner and talk in the car or in the cafe. He'd yeah. come in. And I liked it that I had that relationship with him. And um, often in touch with him, regular text messages with him and um, keeping an eye on what he does and how he plays. <laughs> um, very, very, very proud of him. Very proud. Yeah. Um, right, next one from James was, um, what was the reason for releasing Jamal Lowe? Oh. <laughs> yeah, good question. Oh, blimey. Um, I couldn't get um, Jamal into the 16 players. Yeah. Um, he got disappointed, which is understandable. His attitude was okay. He wasn't a bad egg. He wasn't a bad lad. He was a nice lad. He was frustrated, though, that he couldn't get into the group. It was a very, as I said, it was a very tight group. Yeah. Uh, when he went out on loan, he'd done okay, but he didn't do great because we had him watched. When he came back to training, he was a bit despondent, which is understandable. And yeah, all right. Then a couple of practice games, he'd done well. He'd done really well. A couple of training games, like 11 v 11. But he hadn't really shown enough. And then when we came towards the end and we were looking at players to let go and players to kick, we had a meeting with John Nurse and with Stacky. And, um, and John Nurse said, not sure. Um, I said, no. Yeah. New contract. And Stacky said, sign him. Right. Uh, what? He said, sign him. He's got ability. He's got proper ability. He said, I think we're making an error by letting him go. He said, we should give him a chance. Mm. And I said, well, Stacky, I said, he, he walks around with a miserable face. He's not happy. He said, the reason he's not happy is because you don't put him in. He said, if he was with the first team through pre-season and you had him involved, yeah. he said he would do something for us. And I said, no, I'm not having it. I can't see it. But because you've said it so positively, Stacky, I'll give him a bit more time. So we gave him a bit more time and uh, I said no and I gave him a free. Um, mistake, definite mistake, down to me. Uh, that one's definitely down to me. 
Nursey uh, was 50-50 on it because Nursey wanted him to see, be with us to see what his attitude and how he would play when he'd been with us and around me for a while. Yeah. And I hadn't seen enough of it. More my focus was on winning the championship rather than looking after Jamal Lowe. Although I did go and see him play. And he, like I say, he'd done okay. It was only the following season, the following season, when he signed for Hampton, uh, that he'd done, he'd done brilliant. And we went and watched him again and it was like, oh my God, we couldn't afford him. Yeah. <laughs> Not funny. Um, my mistake down to me okay uh, well next one from Jim Kavanagh um, which of your former Bees players are you, would, you, would you think likely to move into coaching obviously we've seen Graham Stack at Watford already um, what others do you think from your group might well go that way oh yeah Don yeah Don will I knew you'd say that after the talk earlier yeah I talk to him about it regularly now about getting his qualifications and going out to games um, he's not sure that he wants to go down that road okay. um, but Yeadon would definitely fit in it with Stack it was obvious with Stack uh, you know, you've never, I've never known a footballer work as hard as what he has he, um, he's got his goalkeeping A licence yeah. qualification and he's got his uh, outfield play FA a licence qualification and his wife also runs a travel company of her own yes I've seen that and and on top of that he's also set himself up a, a Graham Stack footballing academy yeah I've seen that himself. Well, he started off with about four kids and now he's got about 80 <laughs> um, this you might think this is a bit mad I've met his children and his children are impeccably well-spoken yeah. and their behaviour, they are absolute first-class kids, right? Yeah. Always smart, always well-spoken. And if you watch through the Gateshead game, near the end on the pit, at the yes. end, yeah. after the end, on the yeah. pit, little daughter done an interview with BT Sport and you think... There's not, that's not luck that his children are so in, fantastic kids. They are fantastic kids. It's no surprise he's going to be a good manager or a good coach. Yeah. And he's won uh, the Premiership medal with Championship with uh, Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah. He's, he's won the Championship medal with Reading. Mm -hmm. And he's won the National League or Conference, whatever you call it, yeah. with so now the fact he's moved on to Watford and done so well at Watford is absolutely no surprise. And um, top, top bloke here, Stack. Top, top bloke. Okay. Uh, right, then I should go next. Uh, right, one from MCB from the Barnet message board. Um, criticism often levelled at Barnet is once promoted, um, never push on like a lot of clubs do. Um some of the signs you made, Sean Back, Tom Champion, Ben Tomlinson, Kevin Lisby, Gavin Hoyt, um, Luis went, Connor Clifford didn't sign, Cook Savile, Charlie Mack and Dave Stevens all went. Um, is it fair to say we were a little bit weaker after the summer transfer activity rather than stronger? Yeah, I could, uh, I could uh, fully understand um, uh, those questions just take me through those players again and I'll, yeah. I'll go John through Bat. those players with you as you say 
Who? Sean Bat. Sean Bat, um, as a bloke, an absolute diamond. I signed him because when he played for Orient away at Gillingham in a League Cup game on a Tuesday night, he scored three or four goals and he was unplayable. He was absolutely brilliant. It was like, oh my God. So when he came available, he was from North London, no relocation. It was affordable for us and I thought he would do it. Uh, uh, great bloke, but sadly, um, he had too many injuries. Mm. And uh, I'd never, ever, ever, uh, to this day, ever have a bad word to say about him because he worked as hard as he could. He trained as much as he could. But uh, unfortunately, injuries took over. And um, it just didn't work. I think it'd be the first to say it didn't work out for him, which was sad because he was such a nice bloke. Uh, Tom, Tom, yeah, I thought he'd done well for us, Tom. I thought he was a good, uh, good player, can play different positions, good in the dressing room, good captain, good leader. Uh, yeah, he's done all right, Tom. Uh, ben Tomlinson? Ben Tomlinson, Tomlinson played for Lincoln against us and he was absolutely superb. He scored, he made one. I put a name, you know, marked him down, done a bit of research on him, came down here. And uh, his personality and character didn't really fit into the group. He didn't improve the team. Um, as much as I tried to help him on and off the field, um, sadly, it didn't really work out as he would have wanted it to. And I, um, but a great character, great around the place, but didn't didn't make it, didn't improve us. No. Okay. Uh, Kevin Lisby. Uh, saw him play. Uh, good player. Probably just past his best. Didn't help us, but a great bloke. Michael Nelson? Good signing. Good player. Good person. Very professional. Um, knows the game. Good in the dressing room. Yeah, he done well for us. Um, and Gavin Hoyt? Gav, pace. Good going forward. Needed to replace Yeardon, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I need someone similar um, to to Andy, uh, a tight hamstring, nice lad. Um, done okay. That's all the ones brought in, right? The ones that went, obviously, Luis, we know, was going to go back to Spain, wasn't he? No. No? Oh, okay. No. Luis signed his contract. Right. I persuaded him at the end of the season to sign his contract. Mm. Uh, but his girlfriend was in Spain. And uh, so he went back to Spain, had a month back over in Spain, came back over. First day of pre-season, there was a knock on my door at half past seven in the morning. No one knocks on my door at half seven in the morning at the office at uh, the Hive. I need to speak to you. Sit down. What's up? What's wrong? He said, <laughs> he said, I don't want to stay. I want to go back to see my family and my girlfriend. He said, I miss her. And I'm sorry, Martin. He said, but please let me go. I said, what? He said, please, please, please let me go. So I was like, oh, no. Hmm. He was key to help us win games. Because in the last 30 minutes, when the game opens up, hmm. and you give him some space on the ball, he can make things happen. And as a bloke, oh my God, an absolute diamond. 
So I'm looking at him and he's got tears in his eyes and I've got tears in my eyes. And I, and I said, okay, I'll have to ask the chairman. So I rang Tony early in that morning, uh, the chairman. I rang the chairman early morning. Luisma was sitting there. And uh, I explained the situation and uh, said, we've got to let him go. No fee, just let him go. He's done brilliant for us. And uh, Tony then spoke to him and said, I wish you the very best of luck. Um, I'll be around here for another hour. Tony wanted to shake his hand and thank him. So Tony came in, Lewis went and saw him, terminated the contract. And it was very, very sad when he went because we all loved him. I couldn't play him in all those games because for the first hour, it would be too much of a battle. But to bring him on, he was like diamond. So that was where Lewis was and we missed him for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Connor Clifford? Connor... Uh, I had um, ideas about going back to Ireland, so I knew that was happening. And yeah. He was looking to get back there. He's gone back there now and done really well, so I'm really pleased for him. But he played in that Gateshead game, out of position on the left-hand side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I knew that. that they were a passing team. They made all these passes in their own half. So I wanted to close them down and tackle as often as possible in the final third, and Connor was good at that. So we got as many tacklers into that team as possible and then hoping for our flair players to come on and do a little bit later on. Uh, Cookie? Lee Cook? Cookie. Uh, <laughs> I think Cookie was an outstanding signing, good player, but just got tired as the season went on, as the yeah. games went on. In and around the club, in and around the dressing room, brilliant. Uh, Jack Savile? Jack Savile? Yeah. Uh, Jack done a good job, great lad. Jack, good left foot, good in the air. Um, I'm not sure Jack. Uh, Jack's moved out of football now. He's gone on to other things. He's doing really well for himself. Still in touch with Jack. Uh, good bloke, good person, and uh, really like Jack. Um, but I think his mind was starting to see other things, and he wanted to look in other directions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charlie McDonald. Charlie injury with his knee, so we couldn't keep Charlie. Okay. Uh, and Dave Stevens? Uh, this is a 50-50 one, I've got to say. I've seen him play a few times. I always shake his hand. I'm not sure he's 100% with me because I was thinking he was hoping he was going to stay. Uh, I just thought if we were going to crack on in the Football League, um, we'd need to try and find someone better. I'm not sure we did, or I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I probably should have done more regarding helping Dave. Um, so, yeah, 50-50, sort of, could have kept, should have, should have, could have kept Dave. Okay. Right, uh, next couple from Lucy Walden. Um, Favourite signing in Black and Amber? Say that again. Favourite signing in Black and Amber? I'm terribly sorry, but you it cut out a little bit and you sound right. like a Dalek. Favourite favorite signing? My favourite signing? Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm, I'm looking at this team now that yeah. we picked out earlier. Yeah. So with, within that would have to be uh, Ian Hendon. I think he would be there. Uh, King would have to be there. Uh, Hatch would have to be in there. Uh, Grazioli would have to be in there. 
a Kinday would have to be in there. Um, I think my favourite signing, um, I think my favourite signing has got to be John Akinday. It's got to be. <laughs> we, we've got a special relationship, me and John. Um, I love him and he hates me. <laughs> um, yeah, I love him. I absolutely love him. As a person, you couldn't meet a nicer bloke. Absolute diamond bloke. Um, polite, well-mannered, well-brought-up, educated, further education, everything. Laid back, confident, calm, uh, laid back. <laughs> um, I think the other players will probably tell you, I probably have rows with him more than any, all the other players put together. I used to get on to John Akinde. For the team, for yeah. the team, for the team. How many times I've stood in front of him with my shirt off at half time, challenging him, <laughs> challenging him in front of all the players, but not doing enough. He hates me <laughs> and I love him. And then he'd score, in the second half he'd score, we'd win one nil, and he'd look at me and give me a dirty look. <laughs> and I'd just sit down and say, yes, it's worked. Um, no, him. Free transfer from Alfreton. I went up to watch him play for Alfreton against Grimsby in the playoffs on a Sunday afternoon. Mm. I drove up there. Someone said it was luck that I signed John Akinday. No, it was a Sunday. I drove to Alfreton, which is north of Nottingham. And there he was playing for Alfreton. And I said to, said to, the, to the chairman, we need to sign this player. He will make a difference to our club. And um, Mr. Cleanthos uh, got him down and signed him. And um, he was part time at Alfreton. Everybody was watching him, but we got him. Great. He was, he, he was brilliant. For that spell we all had together, he was brilliant. Okay. Um, and away from football, has lockdown forced you to take up any new hobbies? <laughs> uh, perfectly honest with you, it. Um, But I'm bored now. <laughs> like the rest of us. Yeah. I am bored. No, but to, to, to be honest, for the first part of it, um, I got into a nice routine because everybody said, get in a routine, follow the routine and um, take the dogs for a walk. Yeah. Ride your bike. Uh, do the garden. Uh, who are you smiling at? Sorry, my, uh, one of my daughters just coming in. That's a... Um, and 
do as much as you can and then have a bit of lunch, have a nap, and then watch something on Netflix. Yeah. Then at tea time, take the dogs for another walk, come home, watch telly, go to bed. I was okay with all that. I, I quite enjoyed it. And I was fine with it all. The garden looks fantastic. We've got cuts all over the place. <laughs> Loved it. Because I do like my gardening. It's my pride and joy, really. And then um, it got to three weeks. It's like being on a three-week holiday. You're away from home for three yeah. weeks. and oh, How wonderful. But when you're coming towards the end of your three weeks or your two weeks holiday, I normally go for ten nights on holiday or two weeks, maybe, if I'm lucky. And when you're coming home, or the last few days of your holiday, you can't wait to get home. Yeah. Because you want to go back to work. You want to get back into it. Well, it got to three weeks, and I was thinking, I want to go out. I want to do something, you know. So it's been the, the last few days has not been – I've been great, to be fair. I'm fed up with being around here. Um, the garden, I can't – I don't mean there's too much more I can do in my blinking garden. <laughs> um. But let's let's not joke about it. Let's uh, you know have to be realistic. And God bless how many people over twenty thousand, I believe, have now lost their lives. A lot more people seriously ill. I suppose we should be uh, very grateful for um, being able to do our garden and being able to walk the dogs and yeah. be able to do this this afternoon. Yeah, quite agree. We should be all very grateful and thankful that we've got or allowed we can do it. So, no, I shouldn't be uh, perhaps complaining. Um, um, you know, let's, let's, let's just hope, let's just hope all this settles down as quick as possible and all crossed. of our lives can get back to normal. Mm. Fingers crossed. Right, next one. Uh, right, from Reckless. I'm sure you know who Reckless is. Oh, he's a yeah. nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good friend of mine. Uh, right, favourite chocolate digestive, milk or dark? Dark. Dark. Okay, there you go, Reckless. Dark. <laughs> right, next one. Uh, Lloyd Debenham, what do you feel are the key factors in developing a winning mentality and how did you achieve it at Barnet? Oh, God. Good question, isn't there? Mm. Look, when, when we agree to do this, I knew, and I know, there's a lot of people naffed off with my decisions and my choices to leave your football club. Yeah. I know that. But it's no point in me sitting at home, hiding, and turning my back on everybody and just thinking, screw you lot. There's no point. Life's too short for that. So hopefully this afternoon we faced up to a lot of um, honest questions and yep, given honest yep. answers back and an explanation. Whether my explanation is acceptable is, of course, everybody's choices. But I'm glad you've, been able to give, you've given me this opportunity to actually, you know, clear stuff up or explain doesn't i'm yeah. not sure it's going to clear stuff up anyway you know when you when you when it's your love you get hurt it's not nice what was your question 
You look like Gash. Huh? You look like Gash. I look like Michael Gash. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last question? Uh, what, from Lloyd? Um, what do you feel are the key factors in developing a winning mentality and how did you achieve it at Barnet? That's a good question, Lloyd. Um, winning mentality. Uh, what what we tried to do on once, Lloyd, once, uh, on my first day, there was a meeting behind that club shop. There's a little off, there's a, a meeting room. So we had all the players in there for a 10.30 meeting, 10.30 meeting, first day. So as the players were coming in, I was shaking all their hands, everyone came in. As soon as my watch hit 10.30, my watch, 10.30, I shut the door and locked it. I started to uh, welcome everybody, explain who I was and what I wanted to do and how we were going to go about our business. And about four minutes after the 10.30, 10.34, there was a knock on the door and someone was pushing the door trying to get in. So I went across to the door, unlocked the door, opened the door just a little bit and two players were stood there. I'm not going to tell you who they are. So, uh, come in. can I come in? Oh. Huh? Can I come in? No. Don't come back. Shut the door, lock the door, and carried on talking. So, half hour later, when I finished, those two players were at my office door. One of them knocked, came in, said, I'm sorry for being late. So I said, all right, why are you late? He said, blah, blah, blah. He said, just was, I didn't know about the meeting. So I said, well, we don't do that here. If I say 10.30, you're at 10.30, or you're at 10.25 for a 10.30 meeting. That's yeah. how it works. Don't ever be late again. The other one just stayed outside my door and didn't come in. So after a few minutes, I said, listen, what are you waiting for? He said, I'm waiting to see you. So I said, well, listen, 10.30 is 10.30. Don't ever be late again. And the eyes, if you know what I mean. So from that point, we tried to get into everybody. that uh, With free kicks and corners and set plays and general play and team meetings and travel on buses if you're going to be late off the field you'll be late on the field that was my mentality yeah. so we tried to set that in and then when we come to drills and practices if they didn't perform in the in the drills I just sent them home if they didn't do it I just sent them home just before we play one of them games or just after that, that Luton game um, just after that Luton game um, we'd lost I wasn't very happy Played, played okay away at Luton. Yeah. But on the Monday morning, training started at 10.30. And I used to put a sign up on the wall. Training starts 10.30. Out for training, 10.15. Out for training, 10.15. Training starts at 10.30. So that means you get out there at 10.15 and you get moving. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get moving. Get on the get on the buzz light. Get, get ready for it. Anyway, 
I come out of my office, walk down there, bang on 1028. <laughs> the king has arrived, if you know what I mean. All the players are looking round at me because I've got my face on. 10.30 start, and a player walks down at 10.31. <laughs> but the key thing is, he never had any socks on. He had his football boots on, and they weren't done up. The laces weren't tied up. But it was very late anyway. One minute. So everyone's together. He walks in. I'm not going to tell you who it is. I won't say who it is. That's not right. No, no, yeah, that's fine. So I said, um, where's your socks? He said, I ain't got no socks. I said, what do you mean? You got no socks? He said, I ain't got no socks. I said, why haven't you got no socks? He said, I don't know. I said, why haven't you done your boot laces up? He went, oh, I just don't. I said, okay. I'll, uh, I'll tell you what. You go on. You go on now now and don't come back if you can't be bothered to dress properly and do your boots up how can i expect you to perform for us don't ever come back here again and we'll carry on paying you just go don't come back so he went and i explained to all the players we have to have high standards on and off the pitch so to answer Lloyd's question, I suppose they're sort of the sort of things that you have to put in place. And then after that, after that, you've got to, as a coach or manager, be able to give your players a game plan of what you want them to do. So if you're a right back, where are you want him to pass it? Do you want him to go long ball diagonals to the far post all the time or down the channels? Or do you want him to play a bit? How do you want it to go? You have to do that with every player. And as a coach, as I have to do, you have to stand in the middle with your whistle and you have to put it into them and drill them and drill them and drill them without opposition and then with opposition. And then you have to do your set plays for and against. And if anybody don't do it how you want it, you get them off. You get them out of the way. You just get the people in there that want to play for you, that want to listen to you, that want to do it that want to do it, want to have that commitment. And then after that, Lloyd, the next, the only best thing you can ever give any people, whether it's in football or whether it's wherever you work, or whatever you do, or your children, is self-belief and confidence. <laughs> and if you haven't got that as a teacher or a leader, then you're useless, you've got nothing. And if you lose that self-belief, then you're fit for nothing, really, in leadership and management. Um, and that's what I said about earlier, about backing and supporting Darren and not getting on these social media things and knocking him and having a go at people. Be good to him and look after him and encourage him. And when we lost at Luton that day, it was a disappointing to lose, but I hugged every one of them and said, fantastic, we'll carry on now and we can, these are the standards and being positive and positive outlook PMA I used to call it positive mental attitude yeah. and looking forward and looking up rather than looking down and if you drill that into people and you've got some decent players of course then you've always got a chance of winning okay. 
Uh, right, last couple then from Pete Williamson. Um, are you a nostalgic guy? Love the bowling and underhill or understand the need to move to the Hive and London Stadium? No, I am full of uh, nostalgia, to be honest. Uh, I was there on the last night at Upton Park. Uh, when the lights went off, literally, oh, there was a few tears in my eyes as I came home. So many good memories there of uh, playing, of course, and with my dad coming to watch me and my dad's final games until he passed away when I was at West Ham. So no massive memories. Underhill, I just love Underhill. <laughs> I just love it. I just love Underhill. Never forget that place. Never, ever, ever. Whenever I go around that way, not all the time, but there's the times where I... Uh, um, nip round there and have a little look. Um, no magical place, magical times. Um, the new grounds, the new stadiums. You know, the London Stadium so different to what it used to be. Yeah. It's very difficult at the moment with the team not being so good. But as we as we know, as we know, a good team at a new stadium and everyone's happy. A new stadium and the team's crap. And no one's no, happy. No. <laughs> it's the same at the London Stadium or the Hive. So um, you've got to remember, we had a fantastic few good crowds at the uh, at the Hive. It can be done. It will be done again. There will be, uh, and I'm sure this manager is going to take Barnet back up into the Football League. That place will be packed, and without a shadow of a doubt, I'll be there somewhere in a corner watching that game <clears throat> when Darren Curry takes uh, Barnet back up into the Football League. Without a shadow of a doubt. Well, Edgar was there for you, wasn't he, when you took us back up? Pardon? I said Edgar was there for you when you took us back up. Yes. Okay, right, last one. Um, with all the TV documentaries that go on and players post posting social media pictures from inside the dressing room, should the changing room remain a closed sanctuary for players and coaches and not be shared everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they should let it in when I've been letting loose a few times. <laughs> um, well, I've been uh, on that Netflix uh, um, stuff. Mm. Um, Man City, I've seen their one. I've seen some of the Sunderland one. Um, who else is on there? Netflix, Netflix for those clubs. Uh, I don't know. There's a Tottenham one coming on Amazon, isn't there? Yeah, all oh, that's it. That's it. Amazon stuff. Yeah, I've seen all the Man City one. I couldn't believe the footage they got inside that dressing room. Unbelievable. Um, when we played Gateshead, you'll see the TV footage when it came to the end of the game. Yes, they right. were desperate at the end of the game to come in and meet all the players and see what was being said. Yeah. And I left them out in that corridor and said, there ain't no way you are coming in this door. That was special to us us it yeah. wasn't something to be shared with all due respect to the public and the Barnet fans uh, if you've seen the BT uh, broadcast you know they're trying desperately to get oh, in yeah. but it was a no no it's uh? um, right a couple of quick ones from you um, best memories at Underhill Hereford game winning 1-0 yep yeah. First manager's game, unbelievable atmosphere. All the blooms on the yellow blooms on the pitch from the Erifer fans, beating them, champions. The people in the stand behind me, on my right shoulder up here. Yeah. 
and uh, they used to be quiet, quite quiet, because it was the people opposite that used to sing all the time. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I remember turning round and looking up at them with that horrible face and going, come, come on, come on, let's hear you. And they would all start singing. <laughs> oh, my God, the atmosphere. The smallest, it's a smaller office than what I've got here. It's the smallest office you've ever seen uh, at Underhill, um, right on the side of the dressing rooms. And those dressing rooms at Underhill and the little tea lounge next to it. Yeah. Um, magic. Just magic. Just the love of the old ground. I love the old grounds, the old traditions of the history. And um, love Underhill. Love it. And memories of the hive? Oh, God. Well, we trained there, didn't we, every day as well. Yeah. So um, a lot of special memories just through uh, the work on the training pitches and the different sessions that we used to do of all those players and comings and goings. Um, memories of the hive would be the Halifax game. Yeah. The drive home from the Halifax game, the determination in my mindset after the Halifax game, the culture change that was necessary. Um, Gate said. Obviously, yeah. Beating um, Bristol runners up, Rovers with 10 men. Tuesday night, I think it was. Magic. Second game of the season. Magic. Mm. Um, you got to remember, well, they, you, you don't have to remember this, but their budget for what they had for players and what they were paying their players. People say, well, you didn't recruit and you didn't do this. But I, I would sit there and say, well, we, we'll offer you £800 a week to come and play for Barnet. Yeah. You've got to come in and live in North London. <laughs> um, pay the rent, yeah? Yeah. Right. Um, and then they say, okay, I'm just going to go and talk to Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Say, okay, no problem. Okay, well, they've offered me two and a half grand a week. Can you, uh, can you get anywhere near two and a half grand a week? No. <laughs> so... It, it is interesting when, when somebody mentioned earlier today about, um, you know, player signings and recruitment. Mm. Uh, it's not always easy um, yeah. to, to sign the players you actually want because you don't always, you can't afford them. No. You can't afford them. Yeah. I mean, I know that. <laughs> I've spoken to Darren and Ben this season. I know how difficult it is. And obviously having that insight is insight a lot of people don't get. So... Um, yeah, I understand that. Now, there was a player playing at Dartford who was a good player. Dartford, yeah, good player. I liked him, and so I spoke to him and said about coming to Barnet. And he went, "Well, I'm part time, and I earn that. Yeah, and I've got a job in the city, and I earn this. So if you add those two together, can you get anywhere near that? And I'll come. I'd love to play at Barnet." He went, uh, I said, well, you can have £1,000 a week basic salary. 
and he just laughed. He said, "I ain't leaving," and that's you know that happens quite a lot. You can get part-time players that um, prefer to stay part-time and have their job. Yeah, to and, uh, you just can't you just can't touch them. So it's not always um, your choice of players; it's what you can afford yeah. to bring in, and of course, to to pay to live in that area it's is not uh, it's not cheap. So your hands are tied. Your hands can be tied. Excellent. Um, any last thing you want to message for Barnet supporters before you go? Um, no, I, I suppose um, a couple of things would spring to mind that we've all probably mentioned uh, in our chat this afternoon. It was to um, whether this season finishes or it doesn't finish, yeah. whatever. Um, when when the new season starts, it would be all everybody, and we're all guilty of it. Everyone's guilty of it. Is to stay positive and give the manager, give the manager as much backing and support as possible. So when the team loses, as they will, instead of getting on his case, you get behind him and get behind the players and give players support. Doesn't mean you have to love them up all the time. And of course, there's going to be times where you're disappointed and you think, "What the hell's going on?" It's normal. But give give Bowen the best chance you can of getting promoted, because <laughs> to see Barnet getting back into the football league, you've got a better chance of that with a positive supporter than a negative supporter. Mm. Much better chance. Yeah. So to all get behind the team and support him and the players, the players more than him, of course, uh, is going to be the key to getting Barnet out. Because I think now you have got a good squad. Yeah. players and some goal scorers that can take Barnet back and with a former player and I'd say he's a legend really mm. uh, with Darren Curry doing it I think it would be amazing and I guess I, I suppose it's the last thing to say for the afternoon and uh, is to thank you for allowing me to come on and do this with you I've really enjoyed it You're and, then, um, and lastly for everybody else is to, to try and stay safe and uh, this lockdown of just keeping yourself busy keeping doing things and uh, hopefully one day you can uh, we can all get out of this and be safe and well and uh, save lives and look after each other lovely thank you very much Martin appreciate that take care you right good let's stop that a bit right that's Facebook done and that, that's yeah quite good we had about 101 comments um and we had anywhere between about 20 and 40 viewers at a time as well which weren't too um was pretty good but yeah everyone was quite everyone enjoyed it my looks of things really enjoyed it well thank you for setting it all up it gives me a little bit of a chance to be able to talk back to the yeah. barnet fans about yeah. all the shit over the years yeah must be obviously, good. obviously it's going to be difficult times for them but I've never had a chance to talk to them, to be fair. No, well, that's the thing, though. You leave and, and that, it's not, there's, there's no way you can go and do it, really, is there, to be honest? Um, no. Know, how it goes. But, um, but, you know, funny saying about the fan base and that, um, I went to see Darren in, I saw Ben in November, and um, he said, um, he said I think Darren's having a bit of a rough time at the moment because we weren't, we were drawing games. We weren't losing, we were drawing. So we weren't getting that much closer. 
I think Darren's having a bit of a hard time of it at the moment. So I saw him in uh, in December, I think it was. And um, I sat down in the office, obviously the Hive office, where you know very well. Sat down on the couch, just about to put the dictaphone on to record it. And he goes, don't put that on yet. All right, okay. He said, uh, he said, he said, we'll have a chat about football. All right, okay. So um, we were sitting there, I think, for about an hour, me, him and Junior. Um, just chatting about everything he wanted to ask that, you know, didn't want to go on the tape and that. And uh, obviously, I mean, he's on Twitter. He's quite prolific on Twitter and everyone enjoys his honesty and everything. Um, and he was just, you know, sort of like, what is this about signing a striker? I'm like, I know, it does my head in. It does my head in. I know how difficult it is. Um, he's got a list on his phone of his targets, his and Junior's targets, beginning of the season. And um, now that the season's hopefully finished, I'll see the list. I know a few that were on it, um, Paul McCallum being one which he finally got. Um, yeah. But there were two or three others as well. Um, but like I said, said a bit earlier, though, being able to sit down with him and he can talk to me and I can understand bits of like signing players and that, you know, you know that little bit more that it's not <laughs> I'm just going, go and sign something so or something so you just can't do it um, and that. But it's taken people a long time to get round to his way of getting the team to play, which he's done. Um, he's effectively still got John Steele's team because they were all on two-year contracts. Um, but it showed last year, though, when he got eight clean sheets in a row out of them, there is something in that group that he can do, do with. Um, the players he signed this year, Scott Loach, James Dunn, Paul McCallum, have all been superb. So you know he's got the eye for the talent, the right players. Um, mm. And if he can get out the ones he doesn't want there and bring in those that he wants, you know, I can't see why, he, you know, we can't. I'm going to go close. Are they going close? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think they've been close this time round if it hadn't have uh, hadn't have finished, you know. But um, yeah. there's always next year. Always, yeah. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? As a Barnet fan, I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Right, I'd best get off his laptop and get back to my family. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you and you. Thank you very much, Martin. Um, okay, so if you ever need anything, give me a ring. Yeah, of course I will. Of course I will. Lovely. Thank you very much. All right. See you later. Take care. Bye, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.